the elders, Simon particularly, asked me and Anne, if we just speak a little bit about apostolic ministry, what we're doing, uh, who we are together, and kind of apply that to us a little bit here in Jubilee. Uh, it's a really hard thing to talk about, to be honest. It's really, um, I thought, where do we start? We could say this, we could say that. Well, I, I, just recently, I, I, I um, well, you know that I like alliteration, don't you? Like, I, you know that I like you know, you know these, the, I think the only abiding thing that's left in Jubilee Church that I actually uh, touched was the, 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 the famous R's receiving, I think they're still there, aren't they? I think they're still the same they're ones, on yeah. Yeah, they're on their way out now, I'm sure they're. Does anyone remember, I, I know this is being recorded and probably this should be struck from the tape, or tape, that shows how old I am, but no, the, the digital download. Um, but does anyone remember that fateful day when, see, we as elders have been praying, we've been seeking God, we've got this vision, these, these words all beginning with R, and the, the, it was, yeah, we felt it's like, and I was so excited. And when I'm excited, I say things in clumsy ways, as you probably remember. And I said on that fateful day, uh, I'm really excited this morning, I'm going to be revealing to you my R's. And, <laughs> and some of you misheard me. <laughs> and anyway, but... but in the same spirit, I'm going to use a few F words tonight. <laughs> and I just thought, I never thought of that. I thought, oh dear, I probably should just say that. So I've been thinking about apostolic ministry, and, and some of you who don't know me thought, like, you've just, I've just blown it now, but uh, I apologise for that, but it, it struck me as funny. Um, I, I want to I just talk about a few words beginning with F that I think describe, for me, and they may be different words, they may be ones you were not expecting me to use necessarily, but words that describe, I think, what we're trying to, the atmosphere, the, the climate, what we're trying to achieve when we talk about apostolic ministry. When we talk about, see, the word apostolic just means to be sent with authority. It just means to be sent on mission. It's the same word, actually. The uh, Greek word, apostolos, is the word that means, it's a very normal word. It wasn't a particularly special word. It just means to be sent with authority. Jesus was sent from heaven with authority. Jesus commissioned those first 12. He sent them with authority. And then the risen Lord Jesus gives gifts to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and he sends them with authority. Why? So that the church might be sent with authority. And in fact, the Latin word, when they were translating the Bible into Latin some hundreds of years later, they translated the word apostolos. They didn't have a word for it, like we didn't, so we made up a word, apostle. They thought, well, it, the nearest word we've got is missio, and so they translated it missio, and of course from missio we get mission and missionary. So it's the same thing, and God wants to turn the church around rather than to be inward-looking, Rather than to have a come and see mentality, come to us, we put on really good meetings, we have nice donuts, we have good coffee, we come to us, we put on great events, come to us. Actually, Jesus is turning us around to a let's go movement, being sent with authority. At what kind of ways are we sent? What kind of, in what kind of attitude are we sent? Well, the first one I want to say is that we're to be sent as friends. And you might be surprised that's the first one I'm using. Because I think we still think hierarchically about ministries in the church. We put elders up here. We put apostles up here. Apostles. Pro no, actually, we're friends together. That's who we are. Pro Jesus, 
when he called his disciples together, the apostles, he said, I don't call you slaves or servants. First of all, I call you friends. We're friends with God. We're friends with one another. And apostolic ministry is all about friendship with the local church. It's not about somebody coming in and telling you what to do. It's not about somebody coming in as if they're in some pecking order or some hierarchy. It's about friendship. I've just been reading through the New Testament in my own devotions, and I've just come to Romans of the last uh, month or so. I just finished it, actually. And what struck me as I finished reading Romans, the last chapter of it, which is kind of what you do when you read through, you come to the last chapter, and it's chapter 16, and it's really, you think, why on earth is that chapter there? Because all it is is a bunch of names. It's like we could, have got, we could have had a whole chapter of doctrine. Batching names are really important. And Paul, great apostle, ha-ha, knows all these people by name. He knows them deeply, intimately. There's men, there's women. There's those who are serving churches. There are those who are business people. There are those who've travelled with him. There are those who've helped set up churches. But there's just a whole bunch of names and a whole bunch of friends. And he greets the church. And he's never been to Rome. He's never been to that church. And yet he can say, I've got this friend there, this friend there. Coming in tonight, for us, it's just like, we don't come in any sense of hierarchy. We don't come in any sense of, we just come as friends. It's who we are. We're friends together. Uh, if you know our Christ central distinctives, our first distinctives is we're friends who enjoy God together. That's the very first thing we are. We start with being something rather than doing something. So important. Because I could come to tell you tonight, apostolic ministry means go. It means go into all the world. It means do this. It means do that. And it does mean a whole lot of that stuff. But first of all, it means friendship. It means relationship. It means we're together in this. We are friends of God, but we're friends together. We're friends on mission together. We're friends. Second word, beginning with F, is family. And see, Jesus... When he rose from the dead, when he gloriously paid for our sins on the cross, gloriously died for us, in our place condemned he stood, sealed our pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a saviour, as the old hymn says. When he did that for us, and he came alive again, was vindicated from heaven, demonstrating that the sacrifice had been accepted, and he appeared to his disciples, he says this to them, well, in fact, it's, it's actually to the women. He says it to first. And he says to them, go and tell my brothers. Tell them that I'm returning to my father and your father. So this whole thing we're in that's become so organised religion is actually family. It's our Lord Jesus. He's our brother. He's our brother. And he has introduced us to his father. And as somebody beautifully said tonight, I think it was Helen from another church that we were in, in Hastings, I think it was Helen, who said, we, and it, when she said it, you might, have thought, you might have taken a bit of a, a wince, a bit of an intake of breath. Because she said, I think it was Helen who said, we have the same relationship with God as Jesus has. Is that you, Helen? Sounds like the sort of thing you'd say because it's right we have the same relationship with God we are family together with God and apostolic ministry is about the people of God knowing that we are friends yes but we are family together that 
actually we have this same relationship with God that Jesus has. Why? I think the biggest apostolic insight that Paul had is that we are, as Christians, not just Christ followers, not just Christ members of a community, but actually members of a body. That we're actually organically joined to Christ. We're in Christ. I think something like 164 times in his letters, he refers to us as being in him, in Christ, in the beloved, in the one, joined to him. And when he uses that analogy in Corinthians, it's about a body. We are Christ's body. Even, and funny enough, I read this today, because I'm in Corinthians now, even, and it follows on, doesn't it? Even, even when he's telling the church about a moral issue, he's speaking to the church about a very difficult moral issue, he's talking, because they say, oh, anything goes in our culture, we're free now, we're Christians, we can do anything we like, you know, we're, and therefore we can have immoral relationship because it was that some of that was going on in Corinth and he said this is really bad but he doesn't say you shouldn't you mustn't you ought not to he says what right have you to join Christ with a prostitute because that's what was actually happening there some of them were uh, getting involved in temple worship which involved prostitution he doesn't say now you shouldn't have prostitution now you shouldn't have that sin So that's what we do. We apply the law. You shouldn't sin. You mustn't sin. He says, no, don't join Christ to that. What do you mean don't join? What's Christ got to do with it? Everything? Because we're in Christ. Everything. So we are now family with God. We're in Christ. We're in the beloved. This is the apostolic message. This is who we are, folks. And we're called to shine like lights, not because we're bright, but because he's bright and we're in him. And we shine with the light of Christ and we go with the authority of Christ. Jesus, the word apostolos, sent with authority. Jesus said, just as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. It's in the same authority, in the same way, in the same spirit. Because we're now doing the family business. This is who we are together as a family. So you might think that's a strange way for me to start. I should have talked about evangelism and going to the nations. We'll get to all that stuff. But it's so important that we understand this is all about relationship. It's about relationship together. I mean, you look at some of the... I just thought about some of the, the, the concepts that are in the Bible about relationship and about family. So evangelism. Who here became a Christian on Alpha? <coughs> hey, look at all this, all these wonderful hands. Uh, we saw so many people and are seeing so many people. I met some more even tonight... Uh, lovely lady tonight who got saved on Alpha, became a Christian on Alpha recently. Isn't it wonderful? But the language in the New Testament is not recruitment, it's not management language, it's new birth. You get born into, you get born again. You get, and that phrase has been overused, we get born into something, into a family, and into the family of God. Our relationship is not one of colleagues and workers but siblings in the house, household, brothers and sisters. So when Paul writes, sometimes it's a bit confusing, especially to our ears, because so often he'll use the word brothers, and it's translated in our translations as brothers, but it was a familial phrase which actually meant brothers and sisters. (laughs) That's confusing to us, because it's a little bit like saying mankind. 
know, when we say mankind, we don't mean all the men. We mean men and women, and probably we should have a better way of saying it. But his way of greeting brothers and sisters was to say brothers, brethren, brothers together. That's who we are. We're, we're now family together. Discipleship in the Bible is not about a course or an orientation around a training event. Discipleship in the New Testament, the language is always about parenting and relationships and siblings together, being part of family. The governing of churches and the governing of movements is not a hierarchy of management leaders, although to hear some church leaders speak today you'd think it was. It's actually about fathers and mothers, fathering and mothering the church. Paul, I write you as a father. Another point, he says, I write like a mother. And the church, as we've said, is not just an organisation, but it's a family on mission together. See, that's who we are. And it's important that you start with who you are and then you step into what you do. We're primarily human beings, not human doings. We're called to be friends and family together. Now, the third F Anne's going to bring, and it's the F of faith. There we are. That caught you out, Anne. You thought that was going to be longer, didn't you? She, see? <laughs> I'm constantly surprising. She tells me off for being too long. I remember um, I was, oh, I, as a lot of you know, I don't do ladies' meetings. And, um, but I had to do one once, and those things that go over and around your hair, and I said, no, I'm not having that because it will just ruin my hair. So they're all man inventions. Okay, just like you know. Anyway, right, faith. Um, I'm sort of going to tell a little bit of our story, but first of all, I just want to start by talking about the heroes of faith that are referenced in Hebrews 11. And in Hebrews 11, we find quite a comprehensive list there of many men and women that were used by God. And heroes, some of their circumstances, I don't think any of us today would consider even to face but they did and they're written down in that wonderful book of the bible and they're inspiring and i think when you read through that list you think oh that was then but today is today and there are still faith issues that god puts before us and i often feel even for you know jeremy and i for all that we do I just sometimes feel that sometimes we get too comfortable and too safe. That, uh, you know, sometimes life is a bit too easy for us. And about, I think it was 2018, we had a leaders weekend and the speaker there was a guy called Jared Cooper and he leads a multi-site church in Hull. And he said this, you've got my picture for me. When things get comfortable, do something exciting. Tie yourself to the bowsprit and don't hide in the bunk. So the bow, bowsprit is where that guy is at the front there. And 
that is not a safe place. And it'd be much cosier to be hidden back there in the cabin, in the bunk, below, although I think down there you'd be more seasick than you would be up there, most probably. But, uh, and I think that is how God wants us to live our lives, in faith, with the adventure ahead of us. And he went on to say, it's the same journey when you're on that boat, but a different experience. So you can be in a community like this, and you think you're all on the same journey, which you are, a wonderful growing church here in Teesside, and even all the churches in Teesside, or what's going on here, but some of us can be feeling, oh, I'm just cozy and nice and safe here, and God wants us to be on the front, and just get, getting on that exciting journey that can seem dangerous, but in faith is ex- exciting. He then goes on to say, which way are we leaning? How we position ourselves makes all the difference to the journey. So 30 years ago, we were living in Hastings, and I won't go over over that bit, because then we moved to Eastbourne. 21 years ago, we were helping to lead the church in Eastbourne, and we were then, God called us to move to Teesside. I will just say we didn't know where Teesside was then, (laughs) but we knew as soon as that was a conversation, somebody invited us to come up here, God spoke. We didn't know where Teesside was. We didn't know that it was, as somebody called it, a nuclear wasteland, but they didn't tell us about the moors and the dales, though. So uh, some things were hidden from us until we got here, but we knew through prophetic encouragements that God had called us here. And at the time, many of our southern friends ridiculed us, I said, why do you want to go there? Why? why? Just don't be so stupid. Don't, don't go there. That, that's silly. That God's got something better for you. But those of you who know the story here knows how what amazing things God is doing still here in Teesside. And even in the first five years, because we stopped counting, didn't we? Um, we saw over 100 people saved on Alpha. And still today, seeing people saved. I'm just so excited about being, I mustn't do that, so excited, because I think God is just so good, and this is the, this is the church we talk about the most. You are our heroes, you in here, you are definitely our heroes. Two heroes of faith that are mentioned in Hebrews 11, back in the Old Testament, Abraham and Sarah, and devoted, not this year, but our devoted camp last year, Lee Yarbrough spoke, he spoke brilliantly about being called on an adventure like Abraham and Sarah, living in tents and being mobile. And Abraham and Sarah were mobile. They were prepared to move on. I'm not saying you've all got to suddenly leave Teesside. That's what I'm saying. But how mobile are you? Are you prepared to let God use you in a different situation, in a new situation, and not being too comfortable? And in the commentary of... Genesis 12, it said, it says this, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And it says, Abraham obeyed, walking away from his home and friends for God's promise of even greater blessings in the future. God may be leading to a place of greater service and usefulness for him. So, 
don't let the comfort and security of your present position make you miss God's plan for you. Ten years ago, I was bawling my eyes out because I didn't want to leave Teesside. God moved us to Manchester. I still want to come back here. Um, but we knew it was right. And we left our cottage and we moved to Manchester. And it's just amazing what has happened. I won't go into all the detail of that, what's happened in the next 10 years of God's been using us and you're still part of that story of us moving to Manchester. So sacrifices, leaving friends, leaving family, moving from one part of the country to another or to different nations. Financial sacrifices, I think, come with that as well. I think for many people, there are financial sacrifices. But when God's in it, it that's not an issue. It, that risk is fun. It's a fun risk to take. So sacrifice, this little equation, sacrifice plus obedience equals blessing. Abraham and Sarah made the sacrifice and were obedient, and God blessed them. Being obedient to God is costly, it's risky, it's challenging, but when God has spoken, we have to rely on his timing and his ways and not ours. Faith is a muscle that grows by stretching. One of the ways you increase your faith is by doing something God asks you to do. And if you think back to that picture of the bowsprit, it's how we position ourselves in faith that matters. Are we leaning forward? So I mean, we're just, just trying to make this accessible. We're trying to make this simple. We're trying to make it available because we're all caught up in this apostolic mission. We're all caught up in this authority. We're all caught up in this adventure of faith. It's not for a brave few to go and do this stuff because you could look at Anne and I and say, oh, it's exciting, you get to go to the nations. Well, we only get to go to the nations and meet people just like you. Because, you know, this is actually the ends of the earth. Technically, <laughs> technically, when the Bible writers talked about the ends of the earth and the distant islands, or as it says in the translation, the distant coastlands, which is why New Frontiers was called Coastlands first. Actually, where were those distant islands? They were the islands that they'd kind of come across in Britain <laughs> and around here, which was the edge. The, we were right on the edge of the Roman Empire. We were the distant nations. Now, we think we're the centre of the world and we're going to these distant nations. You know, And it's the Middle East, which was the centre of the world. <laughs> we go to these distant nations now in the Middle East and we go to uh, all sorts of places uh, around the world. <laughs> And they're just, they're people just like us. So don't think we're on some special ministry. We're all caught up on this ministry. We're all apostolic. And we're all called to be a people who go, a people of faith, a people who step out and go, as I often say, I think I said it, a devoted, to the ends of the earth 
to the ends of your street or to the ends of your comfort zone. And that's what God is calling you to be, an apostolic people. He's calling you to be a people, whether you're at school or college, whether you're in employment or not, whether you're out shopping or out recreating, you're an ambassador. You're a sent one. You're one sent with the same message of love and peace and reconciliation and mercy and grace and kindness and faithfulness that Jesus spoke about and the early church lived out. And it's not by a message of harshness, of legalism, of you're not obeying God, you're going to hell, you should obey God. It's of a message of love that conquers all. It's a message of grace. It's a message of mercy. The Bible says it's the kindness of God or the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. I can remember a very angry lady. I know it's hard to imagine. She's going to say she still is. I know what you mean. Who, <laughs> who came into Alpha to find out how we had indoctrinated her daughter. And I can remember her story to this day. It's one of the stories we tell. That she came in to tell us off. And, you know, she's only about four foot nothing. Five feet. <laughs> she's four foot 13. <laughs> she's only five foot, but she packs a punch, I can tell you. She's he she was health and safety. That which is to be feared. <laughs> but Val... The words out of your mouth when you got baptised was this. I came angry, I came to tell you off, but I was hit. Do you remember what you said? I was hit by a wall of love yeah. and acceptance and grace and mercy. And it won her heart. And then he came to find out what the heck had happened to his wife. <laughs> and it happened to him and it's happened to their friends and it carries on. It's the grace and love and mercy of God. And do you know what? We're all sent with that. Every one of us is sent with that same love, that same grace, that same mercy. You really do have the light of the world inside you. See, Jesus said, and I think this is the biggest apostolic understanding of the New Testament. See, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And we go, of course you are. You're the son of God. You're the Messiah. You're, you're the radiance of his glory. You are the sun. You're the midday sun. You're, you know, Paul sees... It says it, he was like the midday, so he was blinded by the light, fell to the ground, all that, yeah, amazing. Jesus is the light. None of us have argued with that. And then the, Jesus then turns to his disciples and says, now you are the light of the world. What? No, no, he's the light. No, no, you're the light now. Why? Because you're in him. And the same light, the same substance, the same love, the same mercy, the same grace that's in the Messiah, is now in the Messiah's followers. It's now in us. So when you, see people say this, oh, why does God send me to that dark neighbourhood? You know, why has God sent me to that dark classroom? Why has God sent me to that dark office? Why has God sent me to that dark club or pub or place, or you know, a restaurant? Why? Well, because you're the light of the world. And do you know what? It gets easier as it gets darker. Because even the dimmest light shines bright when it's dark. 
<laughs> so people complain. See, I think people are complaining at the moment, don't they? There's, people are putting up their Christmas decorations early this year. Do you know why? Because they're fed up with all that's going on in the world. They want some hope and some brightness in their light, in their lives. Do you know what they're really looking for? The light of the world. Do you know what you've got? You're the light of the world. And why do you think God has put you in dark places? So that you might shine for him. And you are incredibly attractive. I don't think you realise that. Some of our neighbours in Manchester came to us. We, we had a Christmas social. We were, and, and they said they said a really strange thing to us, which on the surface you think that's a weird thing to say to somebody. And they said, you two are so attractive. You're the perfect couple. Now, they obviously didn't know us. <laughs> Should have gone to Specsavers, I heard somebody say. But I know what they meant. They meant there's something special. And it's not because we are somebody, but we're in somebody. We're connected to somebody. And they could see the love of God. They, could see, they just didn't know what it was. And they were trying, they're grasping for it. What is it about you? What is it? The world is watching you watching more than you realise. You are a people of faith. Right? Now, let me bring you my next F. And it's this word. I want to prophesy over you. It's fruitfulness. God has called you to be a fruitful people. Now, anyone who's a gardener here and anyone who knows us knows that Anne's a gardener, gardens go through seasons. So we don't bear fruit all the time. We do go through winter times. So it's okay. It's part of the seasons. God's written that. Because a graph of church life doesn't go like this. Soaring into the sky. You listen to some church growth experts and you think it's all this. No, it's not. It's this. And there are times of growth and fruitfulness and then times of winter and decline. But do you know what? God has written that into the very nature of our world so that we don't forget. If it's winter, that's okay. Springs are coming. Life's coming. And if you've been through a difficult time, whether it's personally or as a church, God wants to promise you there's coming a springtime season. There's coming a, a season, a new season of fruitfulness. I was reminded as I was studying this or just looking at this again for you guys, of Joseph. And all the ups and downs of Joseph's life. You think about it. Favoured son. Sold into slavery. Rises to be the best in the palace. The best in, the, in Potiphar's household. Attacked from what? The ployer's wife. Into prison. Rises to be like the cream. It just keeps rising. Rises to be the head of the... I mean, who gives prisoners the keys? Who, who make, he said he was in charge of the prison. He's a prisoner. You don't put prisoners in charge of the prison. Unless you're Joseph. He keeps, this graph of his life isn't that. But, well, it's not that. It's, it's like that. And then there comes a day when he moves from the prison to the palace. And we know the story. At the end of Joseph's dad, Jacob's life, he prophesies over all his sons, but he particularly prophesies over Joseph. And he says this about Joseph in Genesis 49, verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful vine. And a vine is the symbol of Israel. 
It was on their coinage. It was on their temple gates. It became the symbol of fruitfulness. Joseph is a fruitful vine planted near a spring of water, bubbling water it means, whose branches go over the wall. Now let me just unpack that for you in this last 10 minutes or so. Fruitful. God has called you as Jubilee Church to be fruitful. Fruitfulness is written into the very fabric of our creation. It's written into the creation. They were told, Adam and Eve were told to be fruitful and multiply. And it's written into the fabric of the new creation. Jesus gathered his disciples and said, actually, in a very similar way to the Father spoke to Adam and Eve, Jesus speaks to his disciples and says, be fruitful and multiply. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, live it out. Be fruitful. God's promising you, as Jubilee, not to look back on some golden age when you were fruitful, but a now fruitfulness. And I believe you're just starting to see some green shoots of it, just starting to see some things coming alive, just starting to see new shoots coming. He's promising you that, as we'll hear, I'm sure, in our Christmas readings, Isaiah 11, a shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. He will, because actually this was all about Jesus. That prophecy of fruitfulness of Joseph was all about Jesus being the fruitful vine. Jesus says, I am the vine. I'm the fruitful one. But guess what? You're joined into the vine. You're grafted in. You, jo- you become part of the vine. And the same sap of the Spirit, the same life of God that flowed through Jesus actually is now flowing through you. You just don't feel like it. It doesn't feel like you're very fruitful. It doesn't feel like the sap's rising. It doesn't feel like you've got that same Spirit within you, but you really have the same Holy Spirit, the same anointing, the same connectivity that Jesus has because you're in Christ. I am the vine, you are the branches, Jesus says. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruitfulness is who you are. And this is what apostles do. What do apostles do? Go to, sits on planes, sits in conference rooms, comes up with strategies, speaks on platforms. No. Apostles tell churches they're fruitful. Apostles come along and say, can't you see it? You are a fruitful vine. Can't you see it? You're the light of the world. Can't you see it? You're in Christ. Open your eyes. See who you are. Don't try and be somebody else. See, that's the trouble. We look at certain, what we think as charismatic people, whether they're in the world of entertainment, whether they're in the world of business or politics, or whether they're, perhaps not so much politics these days, but, well, you know, that you look and you, you think, oh, I want to be like them. Stop doing that. Stop looking at somebody else and saying, I want to be like them. That position's taken. Be you. Be who you are. Be what God's made you to be. And I'm prophesying tonight, God has made you to be a fruitful vine. God's made Jubilee Church to be a fruitful bush, a fruitful tree. And isn't it wonderful that we're not alone? 
that we're part of a wider fruitful forest. We're part of a wider fruitful vineyard. Isn't it great? I love the video that I've shown so many people around the world. See this video from Teesside? You know Teesside, don't you? No. <laughs> See, we now come from, it's so funny now, I haven't, I haven't yet met a single person in the world. <laughs> now, you don't know what I'm going to say. You don't know what I'm going to say. I'm not going to talk bad about Teesside. I haven't yet met a single person in the world who doesn't know where Manchester is. Even in the farest African jungle, they say where you're from, Manchester. Oh, Manchester, you know, oh, oh, yeah. oh Manchester United. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they all know, they all know Manchester, right? Nobody knows Teesside. I'm sorry, but they don't. But that video that you guys did with the other churches, I've shown that all around the world. We are one church in Teesside. Let me show you my church. We're one. I mean, isn't that beautiful? Hasn't God put you in a fruitful place? I mean, this area has been fruitful in so many ways. It's been naturally very fruitful. Think of all the ore, iron ore, that God put in the ground. Think of the coal that God put in the ground. <laughs> Think of the fruitfulness and the, the flourishingness and the prosperity of a different generation that came from this port, wherever it is, down there somewhere, <laughs> that way. You think of what has happened in the natural in this place. You talk to Paul Winston, find out about ICI and all that amazing revolutionary chemicals and st stuff that came out of Teesside. Yeah, now you might think it's a bit on the wane, but you go back and you look at Chorus and British Steel and what happened, you think bridges all the way around the world that came from Teesside. Yeah. Do you know what that is? It's a prophetic picture to the church to say it might look unfruitful on the outside, but I've put fruitfulness right in the heart of these towns and cities, right in the heart of Stockton and Middlesbrough and Redcar and Hartlepool and Thornaby, or as my friend Phil from Darlington calls it, Thorn Abbey. <laughs> Thorn Abbey. <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> God's put fruitfulness in these towns in this conurbation and God is prophesying to you tonight that you are again going to come into a season of fruitfulness Joseph is a fruitful vine near a spring what does that mean? well vines and flowers fruit because of water sources and we're not just connected to God we're filled my next F <laughs> we're filled with the same spirit that Jesus was baptism in the Holy Spirit isn't just a nice doctrine of new frontiers the baptism and the filling and the immersion and the power of the Holy Spirit is the New Testament way of getting the job done see Jesus hasn't left us without resources he hasn't left us without power He's given us the Holy Spirit. He said, wait in Jerusalem to the early church. He said, wait, Acts 1, verse 8, wait for the Spirit. But when the Spirit comes, you will be filled with power. And that Greek word, as every preacher has always preached right down through the ages, is dynamite, dunamis. In fact, 
when Alfred Nobel, famous Peace Prize, invented dynamite or pioneered dynamite, they called it that because of the Holy Spirit, not the other way around. Dynamite, the Spirit is dynamite. It's power. It's authority. He blows things up. He engages things. He propels you into things. The same Spirit is on you that's on Jesus. It's not some 21st century light, some modern dilution. It's the same power, the same Spirit. And when you have the privilege of going around the world as we have, you start to see it happening all over again in different nations, Africa, Middle East, and across all sorts of nations, the Americas. God's pouring out his Holy Spirit afresh. Jesus said, wait for the Spirit. When he comes, it's going to be dynamite. It's going to explode you out. And you're going to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. Okay, that's what God's promise is for this church. To be a church that affects Jerusalem. That's the city. Jerusalem is Teesside. Judea, we could call Judea the county, the region, the area around us, the northeast maybe, Durham, Yorkshire, etc. But not stopping there. It's the next county down the road that we don't really like. It's the one over the water. You know, there's always a water and a bridge and a divide, isn't there? Especially in this city. It's the next place. It's the next town. It's the next place. And it's the ends of the earth. And God doesn't just want to raise up a Jeremy and Anne to go to the ends of the earth. He's raised up a, an Andy and Jill to go to the ends of the earth. And he's raised up a, a Paul and Jill to go to the ends of the earth. And he's raised up a Luke and Faye to go to the ends of the earth. And he's raised up others of you in this room to go to the ends of the earth. But also, he's raised you up to go to the ends of your street, like I said earlier. And to me, we are so privileged. Uh, you know, the whole revolution of asylum seekers and refugees happened while we were in Teesside. And do you remember the backlash of that from the UK? You remember? Kind of like, don't, we don't want these people here. And we're going, yes, we do! We can't go to the nations. We can't get into Iran. But if you want to send Iranians to us, hallelujah, we'll receive them and take them and work with them. If you want to send Eritreans and Africans, if you want to bring people from the ends of the earth to Teesside, great, isn't it wonderful? And we became known as the church that looked after a refugee and asylum seekers and gave them dignity and honour. And ultimately, so many came to Christ. Some had come with Christ, and they were heroes. They were were Hebrews 12 modern-day heroes. You listen to their stories of faith and persecution. But we got to see, and you're getting to see, and you'll see again, so many of the nations coming to you. Isn't it beautiful that the church is all nations together? So, fruit, this last three. Fruitfulness, filling of the Holy Spirit. If you haven't been filled, get filled. If you haven't been filled this week, get filled. If you haven't been filled today, get filled. Maybe we'll sing a song at the end and we'll pray for some people. We'll pray for one another. And it's not me. It's not, oh, Jeremy's come with the magic hands. Because <laughs> people think that. They put us on platform. I've got no different hands to you. Got no, we're, we're all part of the same body. Same Holy Spirit flows through you that flows through me. 
fruitfulness, filling. And the last one I just put down here is freedom. Okay, I guess we've always talked about that, the release of everybody. And I just feel God wants to bring a new freedom to you. He wants to bring a new mobility to you. He wants to free you up from thinking down certain lines and travelling down certain lines and experiencing certain things in certain ways. And he wants to broaden your horizon. He wants to free you. Some of you are locked up. You're locked up in your thinking. You're locked up in your experience. Some of you, you, you think you're locked up in your health and your circumstances, but actually you're not. You're free. You just don't realise it. And you can step into things and sometimes God gloriously sets you free in your body and your mind as well, but sometimes he doesn't. Our story is of infertility, of not being able to have children, and yet actually God giving us children all over the world. I'll talk a little bit about that on Sunday. So sometimes he does change your circumstances, and sometimes he doesn't. But it's not about the change of circumstances, it's are you willing to step into freedom? Are you willing to be a person of faith on that journey? Are you willing to be a fruitful person? Are you willing to be a person filled with the Spirit and then stepping out in freedom? There are too many people who are filled but stationary, who think, oh, isn't it wonderful to be filled with the Spirit? I get to come to a happy, clappy church. I get to, isn't it great? We get to go to this event and that event and we have these wonderful meetings well great meetings are wonderful but Jesus didn't come that we'd have meetings he came that we'd have life and he came to send us out to the world so the real apostolic message is one of mission and going and sending and influencing and freeing you freeing you from being a sedentary person to being a mobile person freeing you from being one who just receives to one who gives. Freeing you and freeing us, and I'll end on this, from being a kind of gathering mentality, we gather, oh, we'd like to be bigger, we'd like to be 400, 500, we'd like to gather more. One of the top church growth leaders in the USA, a guy called Rick Warren, some of you will know, purpose-driven church, purpose-driven life, advises presidents, he said this, it's not about our seating capacity, it's about our sending capacity. And we should stop counting seats and start counting sendings. So if we counted how many people have been sent from Jubilee, <laughs> wow, we'd be huge. Because we've sent and sent and sent and we'll send again. And actually God wants every one of you to know that you are a going person, a sent person might not be sent into another nation, but you might be sent to speak to somebody of another nation. You might not be sent to the ends of the earth, but you will be sent to the end of your street. You might not be sent to the ends of the earth, but you will be sent to the end of your comfort zone. God is calling you and us to be an apostolic people on the move. Now, I haven't talked to, you notice I haven't talked anything about Christ Central? I haven't talked anything about numbers and churches? Because I'm talking to you. Because I could tell you stories and you could go away thinking, isn't that wonderful what's happening in Africa? Isn't that wonderful what's happening in Cambodia? Isn't that wonderful what's happening in the Middle East? Isn't that wonderful what's happening there? And you'd go away wishing for that. 
I'm telling you, this is a wonderful place. I'm telling you, you're a wonderful people. I'm telling you, you're a fruitful people. I'm telling you, step out of the boat and God will do some miracles amongst you. Step out of your comfort zone and step into what God's doing. Live your life on the bowsprit. Live this adventure of faith. God will prove himself faithful and will make you a very fruitful people. I think we should worship God, don't you? And maybe even pray for one another.